This is the Made It in Music podcast. I'm Seth Mosley, and this is Show 138. Welcome to the podcast, where we bring you tools and resources to help you go full-time in music and to stay in. The music business is a roller coaster ride, changing faster than any of us can pay attention to. We all need a competitive edge to stay ahead and to stay successful. What's working, what isn't, and what's coming? That's exactly what this show is all about. Back again with Full Circle Music, the Made It in Music podcast. Another day, another episode of the Made It in Music podcast. We are so glad that you are here, and I am so glad that you get to listen to Meredith Andrews today. We brought her into the Full Circle Music studios and had an amazing conversation that revolves around a key word, balance. If you have ever had the chance to meet Meredith, you know one thing for sure. She is passionate and authentic, and she loves worship, and she takes it very seriously. Meredith is also a songwriter and an artist, and needless to say, that life can get pretty busy and overwhelming. Whether you are deeper in a music career and with a record label, or if you're handling your career DIY at the moment, balance is something we could all use a lot more of. So let's go ahead and jump into this episode. Here on the Made It Music podcast with my friend Meredith Andrews here at Full Circle Music. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Seth. I've been actually really, really looking forward to this because I I know you. We've worked on some music together, but I haven't gotten to hear the full story ever, I don't think. Oh, you want the full story. I want the full story. I mean, that's that's a long story. I can try to condense it. Well, just don't overshare. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I, you can overshare. But yeah. us both being Enneagram 3s, we're both yes. very task-oriented. Whenever yep. we get in the studio, it's like work, 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 work. So we don't have to get the time to just sit and chat and hang. Yeah, so. I know. I'm excited. Yeah. So let's jump all the way back to the beginning. What was the first moment for you that music impacted your life and you knew that you had to do it? Like sure. you had to pursue it? Well, I mean, I can go back to the first time that I ever sang a song at church. And the reason that that ever happened was because my mom was on the worship team. We, I grew up in a tiny little church in North Carolina, 80 people, maybe. That was like a good Sunday, right? And uh, my mom was one of the worship leaders and she also helped with kids ministry because it's just kind of one of those places where you pull double duty if you're volunteering. And But she would practice all the time at home on her little karaoke machine with like two tape decks and two mic jacks and a speaker, you know, that sort of thing. And I would listen to her and I guess I would sing along and whenever she was singing, I'd just be right there because I, I wanted to hear it and I was drawn to it. And just even as a five, six-year-old kid, and somehow ended up when I was six singing I Love You, Lord, for special music at church. Special music. Yep. And uh, so that's always been a really special song for me. It's simple, but it's like kind of where I started, and I want that to always be true. But yeah, it kind of morphed. I, I, in a lot of ways, I ran from the idea of music, not because I was in denial. I just thought, I don't want to just do this. I love music. I think that it'll always be a part of my life. But I wanted to be a missionary. When I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to be a missionary. I always oh, wow. had a heart for, like, other nations. And huh. I wanted to go on mission trips. And Did you it, have, like, family that was missionaries? Or how, no. did, you, how did that even sort of— Well, we would have missionaries up? come to our church, and they would talk about what God was doing in their countries. And I would cry. Like, even as a kid, I would wow. just sit there and cry thinking about these people that were— 
that had like so little compared to us and were experiencing the presence of God. And I just thought, I want to be a part of what God's doing in the world, you know? And so it wasn't until probably, I mean, I led worship through high school and college, but my junior year of college, I had a significant moment that marked me when I was leading worship on campus at Liberty, where I went to school. Mm. It was on Wednesday night and I was singing a song I'd sung a thousand times called Sing to the King. But something shifted in my heart that night as I was leading. I just felt like God was saying, this is what I've called you to. And I can only explain it by saying that it was, it's the thing that when I'm leading worship, and, and I'm watching people engage with God. Like music is kind of the vehicle. It's the it's the way that they're responding. It's the way that they're worshiping. It's, you know, worship isn't always synonymous with yeah, music, but yeah. it is a facet. Yeah. And as I was just seeing people encounter the presence of God, as I was leading, I just felt like my heart came alive in a way that I, I was like, yeah, why would I not do this? Because this is when I feel closest to the Lord and I feel like I'm coming alive right now. And you know, just as a side note, I think a lot of college kids will go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And they'll just wrestle with that. Mm. But I think it, you just go, what do you want to do? Like, what's in your heart to do? What's the thing that makes you come alive? And for me, it's leading worship, not just music, but specifically leading worship through music, seeing people engage with God. I just go like, man, there's nothing better. That's it. That's yeah. awesome. So what was the journey because doing, you know, music just because you love it and it's your hobby and your passion and doing it as a career are two very different things. Right. What was the journey into making it a career? Yeah. Well, at some point, I think it became obvious to me that this was maybe what I was also gifted at the most. And so I was like, well, maybe I should just kind of explore this a little bit. And I had a lot of encouragement from people at college. And then I moved on to work at a church in Chicago and was a worship leader there and, and just got a lot of feedback from people on songs I was writing and the way that I was leading and constructive criticism and just ways that I could grow. And I just started to kind of hone in on that. But when I was in Chicago leading worship at my church, I also started coming down to Nashville about once a month to write and uh, writing with Jason Ingram. He just invited me randomly because he had heard this album that I'd done when I was a senior at Liberty. He had gotten a copy of it. And granted, those things are packed away in my mom's attic right now. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. You start, you got to start somewhere. Had you like sent one to him or how? Did no, it? I I hadn't. My The guy that produced my record uh, was a friend of mine, Keith Smith. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, we went to, we were at Liberty together. He was on the worship team with me. And so he produced it. And I think he had sent it to Jason. So I just got an email from Jason randomly and back in like 2006 and was like, hey, if you ever want to come to Nashville and write, I'd be up for it. And I'm like, that sounds amazing, you yeah. know? So that's how it started. And he introduced me to Word and my first manager. And that was when I first started coming to Nashville and kind of exploring what it could look like. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. I don't know if, if you have said it in an interview or if it was just in a conversation somewhere, but you talk about this idea that, you know, making it, the, the feeling that you've arrived, mm -hmm. that it's actually an, an illusion. Yeah. Like arrival is an yeah. illusion. I, lo I love yeah. that you've said it like that. Um, after having had success at radio and probably doing a lot of the things that you maybe dreamed of doing when you were a kid, how does that manifest itself? Like, how do you deal with that. Maybe maybe just talk a little bit yeah. about that. 
Well, we've already discovered that both of us are threes on the Enneagram. So I think for people like us, there's always this, I could be doing more and what's the next thing. And for us, we're very driven by doing something that's meaningful and that has purpose and carries weight. I know that I am. And I'll stay awake at night thinking about how I can make an impact in people's lives and how I can not just influence people, but really just like, what, what, am, what is my life about? You know, it's that existential question. Mm. But yeah, I think the older I get, the more I realize that there's always going to be like the next thing. Sure. And there's always going to be something more that I could be doing. But what I'm learning and, and what I'm trying to grow in, and God has been so patient with me in this, is that I have to learn how to give my yes to the best thing. Because mm. if I say yes to everything that comes across the table, mm. then I'm ultimately burning myself out easily. I'm possibly taking an opportunity away from someone else. If I'm not listening, if I'm not going, God, is this actually what you've asked me to do? Is there is there an invitation from the Father in this offer or in this opportunity. And there's not, but I just go, well, it looks good on paper and I'm free, so might as well. But it might've been for somebody else, right? And so I'm learning to just be really intentional about what I say yes to, especially as a wife and a mom. You know, if I give my yes to something outside of my home, then I'm essentially giving my no to my family Mm. unless they're able to come with me. But still, if I've got my kids on the road, my attention is divided. So- I think I'm just learning to surrender my FOMO, yeah. my fear of missing out, and yeah. going, God, what is it that you're calling me to? Because I don't want to waste my time on the good things. I want to spend myself on the best things yeah. and what I know that you've actually purposed for my life. And so I think that that idea of arriving, you know, getting to a certain point, if I could just have this, if I could just get here, it is an illusion because there's, there will always be more this side of heaven. And we won't really like arrive until we step foot in heaven. But it's just this constantly, I think, asking the Lord, all right, God, what is it that you've asked me to do? And what is it that you've asked me to say no to? And where are the seasons of rest? And where are the seasons of fruitfulness? Because we need both. And I need seasons of rest because that's where I gain revelation from God that will manifest itself in those fruitful seasons. But if I'm constantly just looking for the fruit, constantly looking for the things to do, then I'll miss the growth and I'll miss the intimacy and I'll miss the the rest that I so desperately need, you know? Yeah, that's that's a great answer. Can you talk a little bit about your decision-making process in, in those moments? Because obviously, you know, prayer is a huge part of it. Yeah. But like what makes you say yes to something and no to something else? Yeah. Sometimes it feels like a little bit of a nebulous thing to me. And I'm still kind of pinpointing. But I was even talking to my mom about something the other day. And I was talking about how like, mom, I just need strategy. I need God to give me strategy. And she's like, well, he might give you strategy, but he might just give you peace. And I I think it's really important that we lean in and and follow peace. Like, do I have a peace about saying yes to this? If I read over this email, this invitation, this opportunity, and then I just sit with it for a minute and I just go, do I have a peace about saying yes? Like, what I've learned to do is to sit with it and and ask the Lord, God, what would it look like for me to say yes to this? Mm. And let him just 
give me words or give me pictures or give me a, like, maybe it's a roadblock or maybe it's a green pasture, <laughs> you know, like what, God, what would it look like for me to do this? Maybe he'll give me specifics. Like I can envision myself there. I can envision the people's faces, or maybe it's, he gives me a picture of my kids and that's saying you need to stay home that weekend. You know, yeah. I don't, it's not really a formula. I think it's just learning to pay attention to the season that I'm in and to what God is saying. Um, practically, I need to talk to my husband about it. Yeah. Because I have a tendency to go, oh, yeah, that's a no-brainer. I'll just go with it. But I really just need to go, hey, babe, what do you think about this? Like, yeah. I, I really feel strongly that I need to, but what what's your feedback? Mm-hmm. Also, I think when you have a vision for what you know God's called you to, you also ask the question, does this fall in within that vision? You know, like, is this this in line with what I know I'm meant to be doing? Just for people listening to this, uh, Meredith's husband is also a wildly talented music producer, songwriter, instrumentalist, all of the above. Yeah. So I want to ask a little bit about that because you, you mentioned talking to him, getting his input. Right. Guessing he's not a three on the no, Instagram. No, he's not a three. He is a four. Okay, so <laughs> yes. so good good compliment there. Right, depends on the day, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> more of the emotional. Yes, the emotional yes, type. exactly. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about what you call the juggle struggle. Yeah, the juggle struggle. How yes? How do you do it? Like you've got your career. His career is is going amazingly well as well as well, and then you've got your three kids. Right. You've got all this stuff. How do you do the juggle struggle? <laughs> yeah, that is the question. And that's why I've like termed it the juggle struggle because I think it's always going to be a bit of a struggle. It's always going to be a tension. There's always going to be this balancing act of just kind of like I see this picture of, you know, scales, not like the ones that you stand on, but the ones that you put things in and you balance it out, right? There are going to be seasons in our lives where certain things take precedence. Now, granted, my family will always be my family and nobody can be Jacob's wife or Maverick, Remy and Frankie's mom. That's my role and only my role. Whereas there are lots of worship leaders. There are lots of songwriters. But I also understand that what I carry into those situations or those opportunities is unique. And sometimes God will call me to a place because he's given me something specific for those people in that moment for that time. So I think it's just this learning the tension and understanding that tension isn't a bad thing. It's actually a good thing because if I'm swinging from a rope, I want it, I want tension on that rope. Mm-hmm. If there's no tension, then I'm, I'm falling. Like I'm on the ground. Right. Yeah. So I think it's this, um, paying attention. That's like the biggest thing. How how do I pay attention to what's going on around me? If my family is healthy, if my marriage is in a good place, my kids don't feel like mom's gone all the time, then that releases me into this season of, okay, I can go out on the road and pour out and then I come back. Because it looks like for me that I'm usually out just on the weekends and it's usually just one night a week. Like I'll go on a Friday and then come back on a Saturday night, you know. But it is... It is a thing. And I I think this is the question that I get the most of how do you balance everything? And I don't know that it's always going to be evenly balanced. I think it ebbs and flows. And I think you pay attention and you listen to the voice of the Lord and you just go, what is this season supposed to look like? Give me a picture of it for my family. Give me a picture of it for my ministry and my career. And even 
for just like creating margin because we all need that. And um, as a three, the thing that I struggled with and I have struggled with the most is I I can look at my calendar and go, oh, I've got blank spaces. I should fill it, Mm. you know? I should write here. I should do a podcast. I I should go on the road. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you just need those blank spaces to get away and go, I'm going to clean out my closet today, (laughs) you know? Or I'm just going to sit with the Lord. I'm going to go for a walk and I'm just going to ask him to kind of, download some vision into my into my spirit mm. so that I can know like what the coming days, what the coming weeks are supposed to look like. But even this week, I've started something with my kids. Like my boys go to school, they're second grade and kindergarten and we have a three minute drive to school. And so when we've gotten in the van the last few days, I'm going to be like, guys, I'm going to pray over you right now. Mm. And one of the things that I start out saying is, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. What do you want to do today? What do you want to show us today? How do you want to, like, use our lives to demonstrate your love to the people that we come in contact with? And I think when you just start your morning as simple as that, and you go, good morning, God. What do you want to do through me today? What do you want to show me today? Then it changes the trajectory of your day. And even of just the way that you view all the things that God has entrusted to you. Because I know that God has entrusted my family to me. I know that God has entrusted this ministry to me. And there, it, it is an ebb and a flow. And I just, I need the Holy Spirit's help to, to know what does today look like? And how do I lean into that and be present in this moment? That's so good. And thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah. that's awesome. It definitely speaks to me even right now. Mm. Another element of, you know, the juggle struggle. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about this tension? We get we get questions from people pretty often, people listening to the show and people that have come to our academy events, different things, asking how do you balance this idea of being like an artist and like personal branding and like getting right. music out there and having that identity, but then also sure. in the worship space, like making sure that everything is pointing to God. Yeah. Like, that's always a struggle that so many people deal with. So yeah. how, what would be your, like, what's your way of, For of sure. thinking about that? Well, th- uh, thankfully, I have a team of people around me that are really good at kind of marketing and branding. But it took me a, it took me a while to get used to that idea that I'm a brand. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a person, you know? <laughs> so that was really weird for me. And I, I definitely struggled with it at first. And I remember like countless people when I first got started, like going into a writing room. And the last thing they said was write a hit. And I'm like, is that what we're doing here? You know, is that what we're really try- trying to accomplish? Like, I understand that like hit songs sell records and that's kind of your thing, but I'm trying to reach people where they are and I'm just trying to be honest with the songs that I'm writing. So I think it is definitely attention, Seth, and I don't know the answer necessarily, but I do know that God has called me to be faithful with what he's entrusted to me. Mm. Everybody else around me has different jobs. My manager, my record people, my record label people, you know, my booking agent, they have different jobs and I don't need to worry about their jobs. Like we check in, we have conversations, we have vision talks, but I need to focus on, am I conveying the message that I know that God has put on my life and, and the anointing that he's, uh, that he's entrusted to me to carry. And I think that 
you know, social media is such an interesting thing and marketing is such an interesting thing and they all have their place and there's nothing wrong with those things. But whenever I go and I teach at worship events or worship conferences, I always say to people like God has given you a platform and he wants you to be visible. If he didn't give you a visible role, then you'd be behind a desk somewhere or behind a camera somewhere or, you know, behind a curtain. I don't know. But he's actually put you on a platform for a reason. He's entrusted that position to you. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what am I doing with my visibility? And my answer needs to be, for me, I want my answer to be, I'm not drawing people to me. I'm not pointing people to Meredith Andrews. Like they see me, but I want them to look past me. Like I want them to have a greater encounter with God because of my music. I want them to experience the presence of the Lord in their car or when they're washing dishes because I've spent time and I've fought some hidden battles and I've myself cultivated this intimate relationship with the Father. And so songs come out of that place. And I'm able to share them, not because I want people to go, oh, Meredith Andrews is my favorite artist, but because I want them to go, I have experienced the presence of the Lord in a way that I never have when I listen to these songs, you know, and it's drawn me to worship. So I think it's just about what is my philosophy? What is my why? What is the reason that I'm doing this? And um, especially as worship leaders, um, my, my close friend, Andy Rozier, always talks about how we're tour guides. You know, he tells a story about going to Israel and having a woman who was like not even five foot tall. She was the tour guide and every location, she knew all the facts and every detail about what happened there and, and could, you know, point to the scripture that was related to it and made all these places come alive. But at the end of the day, like, they weren't thinking about the tour guide. They were thinking about what they experienced at that location. And and that's us as, as worship leaders. We're just facilitating what God has entrusted to us and inviting people into this place to go, God wants to meet you right where you are. Mm. And it is definitely a struggle, Seth, because we live in such a celebrity-driven culture. And people, I mean— it can be such an illusion, though, and I talk about another illusion. Like when I look on Instagrams, uh, people's social media, and I go, "What's real?" Like I want to be real, but you also have to be careful with that too, because I have to protect my family as well. And so it's such a complex thing. But I think at the end of the day, I want to just say, okay, am I being faithful to the call that God has put on my life? to steward the things that he's entrusted to me and and to carry out like what I know I'm, that he's assigned to my life. Yeah. I don't know if that's even helpful at all because I feel like it's just a, it's an open-ended conversation. It's going to look different for everyone. Mm-hmm. But I know that like I'm not trying to be a celebrity. But I struggle with that too, just looking at other, you know, it's that comparison game and like, maybe I should be doing more. Maybe it should actually look like this. But then when I quiet my heart and I get alone with God and I go, God, what do you say about me? And what do you think about me? And what is it supposed to look like for my life? Because it's not supposed to look like this guy or this girl. It's unique. And so I think we can pull ideas from other people, but at the end of the day, I think God has a strategy for each of us individually. And it's not competing with anybody else because we're all just meant to stay in our lane and run alongside each other and champion one another and 
And I think that's something that helps us with comparison is going, I'm going to champion the next person. I'm going to celebrate what they're doing and not just always post about what I'm doing. I'm going to post about what other people are doing that's impacting my own heart, you know, and taking me into a deeper encounter with God. I want to celebrate my friends. I want to celebrate you and what God's doing through you, you know, and I think that's really important that because we can get so pigeonholed on this is my thing, this is what I'm meant to do, and that's good. It's good to be driven and focused, but I also want to be aware of what God's doing all over the world and to champion these other people that I know are making an impact for the kingdom. Yeah, so good. Can you talk a little bit about a uh, new record that you've got out? Yeah. Uh, well, new as of March 8th. Yes. Um, not sure when this is airing, but it is out everywhere. And why why was this a different one than anything that you had done before? Yeah, so this was my first live um, project that I'd done, just me. I'd done live worship albums with Vertical before because we were there for 10 years. And, um, and some, yeah, for context, Vertical Church. Yeah, Vertical Church. Well, Vertical Worship, yes. Yeah. And then they're based in Chicago. Yeah. So we were there for a while, amazing people. And uh, now being at The Belonging, we've done the live album with them. But this was the first time that I'd ever done like a Meredith Andrews Project live worship record. And and it was scary, but it was awesome. And yeah, it's different than anything I've done before, but I feel like it captures just who I am and where I am right now. And I've just been longing to release songs that the church can sing and to actually capture their voices on it. You know, you can hear people singing in the background, and I love that so much. It just felt like church. We recorded it at Rocket Town, which is where the belonging meets. So it was just kind of an extension of church for me. Really sweet night. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we'll we'll talk a little bit about kind of how you did it and, yeah. and, and the live recording process in our deep dive, which cool. listeners can, if they're really interested in, in how that is, and maybe they're interested in what goes into making a live record, how do you make a live record, they can go to madeitmusic.com, go to the show notes page, uh, and the video will be there. So we'll dive into that if that's cool with you. Great. Sounds good. Um, I do want to ask a little bit about, because in some ways it, it sort of, looks from the outside like a little bit of a maybe a rebranding. Yeah. Is that an intentional thing? And what what are your feelings that kind of go along with that? Sure. Yeah, I think it's intentional, but it's also a natural progression. Um, When I've signed my record deal 11 years ago, I remember being in a radio studio somewhere in like East Tennessee and someone asking me on air, are you a worship leader or are you an artist? Mm. And I was like, well... Why do I have to choose, you know? I feel like I'm both. I feel like I have the create, like the creative element of being an artist, but also wanting to see people engage with God on a deep level. And that's like the heart of the worship leader in me. But, and I think I kind of found a little bit of a marriage of the two as I've gone on because it kind of, my journey kind of started off as, it was so weird. I worked at a church. I led worship at a church, but all the songs that I was writing were more story songs or radio songs. And and I still will tell stories before those songs when I sing them. And I love that. I love getting to connect with people and engage and just relate to them. Like this is what I was going through and God gave me this song and it carried me through that season. Like the song we wrote, Soar, is one of those songs, you know? But as, yeah, as I've just kind of gone along my journey and led worship more and more, that's the thing that fires me up more than anything. Mm. Because I can tell stories all day long and I know that God uses that, but it's when people encounter God's presence is, is when they're changed forever. And so that's what I want 
to be a part of. And I just love, I love it so much. So I think, yeah, it was just this natural progression of, okay, I've been a worship leader for all these years. I'm growing in my gifting as far as writing songs for the church. And now I think it's just time to like overcome some fears and release those songs and invite people into that experience. You talked about there's being some kind of fears surrounding this process. What what are the what are the fears about? I think um, the fears were, you know, it is a bit of a rebranding. Like I don't want to give people whiplash, you know, like mm-hmm. wait a second, she was this and now she's that. But I don't think honestly, I don't think people think about it that much. And maybe I kind of stress about that, but I don't think people are thinking like, oh, Meredith was an artist and now she's a worship leader. That just kind of like messes up my day. And I'm like, no, you know, it does not that big of a deal. But I think I had a fear of just going, I am kind of stepping into some new territory. And uh, like so many of my friends are worship leaders, but you know, it's that insecurity of like, will I be counted among their ranks or will I be received like they're received? Or will I, you know, will people understand like what I'm trying to accomplish here? And again, like I can't live my life based on how people react or respond. Um, And I want to go back, Seth, because we were talking about even just like arriving as an illusion and even just like talking about your journey, right? One of the things that God showed me early on when my first album released you know, there was all this hype around it and Billboard had written this magazine uh, article about this release and and I started to believe my own hype, you know, and I was like excited. Of course, I was excited and expectant. But when it released, I kind of watched a lot of other artists that had signed the same time as me just like take off and I just felt like I was kind of like putzing along, you know. And I was really frustrated and hurt and I remember having this conversation with God one day and I was like, God, I thought you called me to this. And he so tenderly just like slapped me upside the head. And I was like, why would you think that just because you didn't sell a certain number of records, I didn't call you to this. And that was the beginning for me of God just starting to redefine success in my, in my eyes. Like, because before I thought, oh, I've got to sell a certain amount of records and I've got to be received by a certain number of people. And it's got to look like this in order for it to be successful. But I would much rather my life and what I do and what I release, I, I would much rather it be successful in the kingdom of God. And to me, that looks like a depth, it having a depth before it has a breadth, right? Of having this, like I've sown this seed into the ground. I've watered it with my tears. I've spent time in God's presence. I have gotten a hold of his heart for these people. I've listened to, you know, what he's saying right now and what he wants to release right now through these songs and just having, like the Lord always said to me, you take care of the depth and I'll take care of the breath. Don't worry about whether or not it looks successful because I believe that success in the kingdom of God doesn't look like numbers or accomplishments. Success in God's eyes looks like obedience and faithfulness. And so you know, when I come back to even just these fears and these insecurities, I just have to surrender them and go, Lord, I am afraid that it won't add up to X, Y, and Z, or that, you know, I won't get on a certain tour or it won't have, you know, however many plays on Spotify like that. Those are like, they feel silly. And when you really take a step back and 
go like, who's in control of my destiny? It's not me. Yeah. It's not my record label. It's, it's the Lord. So I have to learn to hold that with open hands and go, God, I'm just going to be faithful with what you've entrusted to me. And you can do with it whatever you want to do with it. And even if it only reaches like a handful of people, if I was obedient, then that means that I was successful. Yeah. And that's so good. And I, I love seeing that you're, you, you very much share our philosophy here at Full Circle Music, which is when you achieve anything or have anything awesome happen that you turn around and give back and yeah. you don't hold it close. You don't right. it's not like a clenched fist right. mentality. You're yeah. coaching other girls who are worship leaders yeah. from all around the world, which is yeah. amazing. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe like what are some of the struggles that you're seeing? People, I mean, it's, it's it largely we kind of all have the same, same right. struggles no matter what level totally. we're at. Totally. Like even from the person just starting out, they've just got on stage for yeah. the first time all the way to, you know, where you're at. Yeah. I would imagine, is there some degree where like everybody is sort of thinking and feeling the same thing? Oh, for sure. Which has been refreshing for me, even to just kind of look back and share all the things that I've just shared with you, with these girls that I'm able to pour into and love on. And, and they pour into me too. Like we just... It's so cool when you have a community of people around you, even though you're talking about worship circle. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, a lot of these girls I haven't even met in person. It's mm. this online community, and we are face-to-face through a computer screen once a month, and we all share our highs and lows for the month. Like, this is kind of where I'm at. This is what I'm walking through. These are the things that God is doing. This is what I'm wrestling with. And turns out a lot of the things that uh, my girls will talk about are transition. And I don't mean like transitioning from one song to another, but just being in a place of transition of going, I know that there's something, like I feel drawn away from this thing and going into a new season and, or, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to lay down this um, platform for a season or whatever, transition comes up a lot. Relationships come up a lot. Like even just, you know, navigating relationships within a church staff or volunteers. And, you know, the reality is the majority of the girls that I'm mentoring are in churches where the foundation of their team are volunteers, which is awesome. But, you know, there's a lot to navigate with that. And how do you call them to a place of excellence but also understanding that they're giving all their time and taking away from maybe work or family just to be there and to serve. And, but yeah, it's all very like, just because, you know, I live in Nashville and, and I sing all over the country doesn't mean that I can't relate with those girls because we're all just trying to be faithful where God has us and all trying to like, you know, navigate the juggle struggle of like yeah. family and ministry and um, what does this look like? So it's been so refreshing to me and challenging for me, like to even dig deeper and to go, God, would you just give me vision and would you give me wisdom and knowing how to just encourage these girls? Because I, I really believe that it's less about a career or less about, you know, what we can easily make it on the surface and 
so much more about what is my foundation? What is my why? What is my philosophy? Am I cultivating this intimacy with the Lord? Because if I'm not a worshiper, then how can I expect to be a worship leader? So I'm not just a song leader. I'm not just a musician. Like I have to have this element of, I know what God is doing right now and I'm, I'm flowing with him and I'm partnering with him to minister to his people and to just go, God, do what only you can do. And so I, I want to encourage my girls in that too. Just going like, just spend time with the Lord and let everything flow from that place. And of course there's practical things. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, um, man, this has been such a good conversation and I don't want to shut it down except for the fact that I know we've all got lots of struggles we're juggling yeah, and different for things. Sure. For sure. Um, so we're going to dive into our lightning round if you're ready. Let's do it. Lightning round. First question Favorite city to play in? Favorite city. Can I say Jerusalem? <laughs> Have you played in Jerusalem? Yes. That's well, amazing. Yeah. So just in, oh, this is supposed to be short. Okay. In no, November, no, no, that's good. in November, we went to Israel for the first time, my husband and I, and we got to play on the Southern Steps, which is of the, of the temple. Mm. And it was insane. It was like my favorite experience ever. It's amazing. My parents yeah. are actually there right now. That's so awesome. I'm jealous. Uh, me too. Yeah. Favorite thing to do to unplug from music? I love to, I love being outside. In the summer, this is so random, and I don't get to do it a ton, but I love paddle boarding. Yeah. Like, you know, where you stand and you just use a paddle and you go down the river, you go, like, if you're in the, we do, we've done a few cruises where we lead worship for, and we go to, like, these really clear water beaches, you know, and, like, paddleboard. And, yeah, I was going to say, where do you have anyway. a favorite place to paddleboard? I don't know, probably, like, Cozumel or something, but... Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't, but I say that, like, I don't go to Cozumel. I've only been there once, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, or the last place that I paddleboarded was in Roatan, Honduras, which is, like, a little island off the coast of Honduras, because we did a marriage cruise yeah. in February, so I I found a paddleboard, and I was happy. That's awesome. Yeah. Quick sidebar on that. One of the you know, you, you have these little highlights of your life, and yeah. sounds like Jerusalem was kind of that yep. for you. Yeah, a lot of our listeners kind of are aware of this, but my my first record when I was a little kid was by this band Newsboys called yep. Take Me to Your Leader. Yeah, and my first time paddleboarding was with Peter. Are you Furler serious? That's crazy. In Panama City Beach. That's amazing. And I was it was just so surreal for me. This was right. after I had already done a record with him and knew him yeah. pretty well. But yeah. still, that was one of those moments. Shout out Peter if you're hearing this or totally. seeing this. Totally. That's um, awesome. But yeah, just those things that are like, this is so cool. Yep. And I, I sucked so that. bad at it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you can try again. Yeah. I'll yeah. try it on at Percy Priest Lake, maybe Percy where there's Priest. no where there's no stingrays there you underneath. Go. That's probably a good yeah. A little less pressure. A little pre- less pressure. Yeah. Um one thing you wish would change in the music industry. Oh gracious. Are we talking about like music industry in general or like Christian music industry? Either. Okay. Whatever whatever comes to mind first. Okay. Uh, this is this might be kind of weighty. But long story short, I had a meeting with a friend who's been in the music industry for like 30, 40 years, just picking his brain. And he told us a story about how when Bill Gaither signed his first record contract, it was basically copied over from whatever mainstream label was over this Christian label. And I don't remember what, but it was like that label was marked out his labels put in, that guy's name was marked out, Bill Gaither's name was put in, right? And I just believe that for Christian music, 
God has a strategy that's different from the world. Mm-hmm. And we've tried to pattern it after the world. We've taken the contracts that look good in the world's kind of economy and philosophy and try to implement it into what I think God has a strategy for. And I think that's actually uh, mostly rooted in the local church. That's a whole nother conversation, probably for a whole nother day. And I don't know if you wanted that deep of an answer, but I just think that God has strategy for the music industry when it comes to his kids. And I think we need to tap into that a little more. That's so good. That's, that is a whole conversation yeah. in and of itself. <laughs> for sure. We'll go to a little more lighthearted Great. question. Sounds good. Most awkward or embarrassing stage moment? It's probably like I've forgotten lyrics so many times, but I've slipped down. I remember one time I was on tour with Natalie Grant, and they announced my name, and I was wearing these heels that were really slick, and it was like on a hardwood floor stage. Definitely like skied in. Like I didn't fall down, but I was like, you know, trying to catch my balance. And then even just like on that family life um, marriage cruise I was telling you about, we were in this lounge that didn't have any like confidence monitors. And like, I gave all my brain cells to my children. So I need those things, even for like lyrics of my own songs. So we started singing this song called Deeper and that I'd written and I like, we launched into it, the band launched into it. And I could not remember the first lyrics to save my life. So I was like, Guys, I like waved off the band. I looked at Jonathan, my drummer. I was like, how does this song go? <laughs> I was like, what are, what are the first, what's the first line? He's like, something about kicking up dust and dirt. I'm like, got it. Great. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> as you were. <laughs> so, but I just kind of learned not to take myself so seriously because that stuff happens all the time. And Lord keeps me humble that way. So I love it. I yeah. absolutely love that. And then lastly, um, do you have a book that you would recommend to people who are looking to maybe get into music? Oh, a book to get into music. Hmm. It doesn't have to be a music book. It could be just a life book, too. A life book that comes to mind immediately. I started nodding before you even finished your sentence. Uh, is It's called Anonymous. It's by a woman. I've never met her before. I think her name is Alicia Britt Cole, C-H-O-L-E. And the subtitle is Jesus' Hidden Years and Yours. And that book, Seth, like, turn my world upside down because she's just talking about how Jesus lived 30 years of his life in obscurity and only had three years of public ministry. And in our day and age, like looking at that, we'd be like, well, that would pretty much be considered a failure. But what was happening in those 30 years and the way that he was cultivating his walk, his life, his, you know, relationship with the father was what set up the power of his and and the fruitfulness of his public ministry. So that book hands down. Yeah. Well, that, and that's a great recommendation for people wanting to get into anything yep. music related or on a platform yep. or whatever. So yep, absolutely. I, I love that. Absolutely. Uh, new record, Faith and Wonder. Yeah. People can find it everywhere. How can they find you on social media? Uh, Instagram, it's Mare Music, M E R E Music. Meredith Andrews was taken. So, mm. but I kind of also like that it's like Mare also spells like Mir, which means, I don't know, it's like, only music if Jesus isn't in it, right? That's yeah. how I get to. But anyway, hey, yeah, that's I Twitter and Instagram. And then Facebook, I guess. Yeah, Facebook.com slash Meredith Andrews, MeredithAndrews.com. Yeah. Well, we'll link in the show notes to all that cool. so people can find you. Thanks, and man. we're going to be doing a deep dive on how you recorded your new record, Faith and Wonder, as well. So people can awesome. find that at MadeItMusic.com in the show notes. So Sweet. Meredith, thanks so much for being Absolutely. on the Made It Music podcast. Uh, my privilege. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging with us week after week after week on this podcast. All of you who listen really do mean so much to us, and we want to see you win in this industry. 
We do, of course, have a deep dive with Meredith that we would love for you to check out. In this deep dive, Meredith tells us a little bit more about the experience behind a live album. She just released her first one, and a live album can be pretty different than a standard studio record, so make sure you check this one out. You can get the deep dive at madeitinmusic.com. There's a form right there on the homepage, and you can sign up to get immediate access to not just Meredith's deep dive, but the entire collection of deep dives from season two so far. It's all there for free, and again, that is at madeitinmusic.com. You can also get the show notes and resources for this episode at madeitinmusic.com slash 138. Also, there's a good chance that many of you listening to this are songwriters, and hopefully Meredith's journey has inspired many of you, and I want to go ahead and give away one more awesome resource that we created to help you out. It's called our Song Checklist. Basically, whenever we finish a song at Full Circle Music, we make sure that it has a certain standard before showing it to anyone else in the music industry. If it doesn't check all of our boxes, then we keep working on it until it does check those boxes. This is a completely free resource that you can get access to by going to fullcirclemusic.com slash checklist. It's the same exact checklist that we use internally for all of our songs, and you can download it and use it to make sure that all of your songs hit that pro level. Again, that is at fullcirclemusic.com slash checklist. Well, that is all that I have for you today, and I would like to go ahead and thank Jericho Scroggins for your help editing this podcast. I would like to thank Taylor John Bash, Alicia Morris, and Clay Pinkham for your work behind the scenes on notes and marketing, and I especially want to thank all of you for listening and hanging out with us. We will see you next time, but before we close out, I want to leave you with a clip from Meredith's brand new live record. This song is called Faith and Wonder. <laughs> 